0: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates Price and Coverage Match Limited by State Law
1: We got a great show today we got a review of El Clasico Liverpool Manchester City what a game that was, man. Wow. End-to-end stuff, action-packed all around. Le Classique, Nigel Rio Coker was all over it. The Turin Derby, it was a close game, but in the end, the black and whites came through. And more from the Bundesliga, La Liga. Any game that had some action to it this weekend, we are all over it. Ian Joy alongside Nigel Rio Coker. We'll have Jonathan Johnson join us later on from Paris. He was at the big game today. So sit back, relax, and let us entertain you. Keiko begins right now welcome along everybody welcome to you nigel real cooker what a weekend my man. how are you
2: i am great my friend i'm great what a tremendous weekend We without some fantastic football and i must say i love your pink sweater but on to the other subject all the fans and people listening in right now make sure your comments come in and especially especially for mr ian joy who has a certain safety word or trigger word in the name of Bayern Munich. So any Bayern Munich fans or any German fans, send those messages in. Show Ian no mercy because there's something not wrong. uh, There's something wrong at Bayern Munich. Listen,
1: Nigel is absolutely right. Drop your comments in if you've got a question for either of us. If your team played this weekend, if you were heartbroken, if you watched your team miss sitters, if you watched your team have a big win, let us know in the comments. But just join in the conversation anyway. This show is for you. Let's begin with El Clásico, Nigel Río Coker. What a game. Great prediction once again from you. You expected the victory and Real Madrid got the job done. But this was pretty much a statement victory. Karim Benzema opening the score and Valverde on the score sheet one. Once again, as was Rodrigo, but this really was a top-class performance from a team that's flying high right now,
2: both domestically and in Europe. Do you know what, Ian? I just realized how stacked Real Madrid are. And I've said it before, and I, I personally said it at the start of this campaign, that I see Real Madrid winning it all. I see them again winning the Champions League. Because when you look at strength in depth, the players that they have starting, the players that can come off the bench, the differences they can make... And there's just something about the mentality about Real Madrid players that a lot of these clubs are just far off right now. What a statement win. And in contrast, Benzema scores the first goal and Ronaldo's being holed off the pitch at Manchester United against Newcastle. And Benzema's probably going to be named tomorrow the World Player of the Year. So that's just the contrast of world football, one of the greats, how he's still flying. But let's not forget this. But well done. Let's not forget this. When Ronaldo was at Real Madrid, Benzema had to take a back seat to Ronaldo. And Ronaldo mm-hmm. was king of Madrid and he had a fantastic time. Now Benzema's elevated himself to be the main man. He's, he's taken on that burden. The one next to him in Vinicius Jr. is the next star who's got no problem with taking the responsibility, but it was a statement win. Yep. Barcelona yep. played great at times. Again, it's what we've said so many times. There's such a great reliance now on Dembele to make things happen for Barcelona. Dembele is the one key factor that tries to make things happen, and it's yeah. just too hard for him. It's too much of a pressure and a burden for Dembele to make things happen, while Real Madrid, for me, are the better world-rounded team. And I've got a question for you. Yeah, go Do for you it. not think Real Madrid have the best midfield in world football right now when you say Cruz, Modric, and Chuamini? Can you name me, stop laughing, can you name me a better midfield or world-class midfield in world football than those three right now? Listen, I find it very difficult. Obviously, um, different tactical
1: approaches from other teams around Europe. You look at the best teams, PSG, obviously don't have the names that Real Madrid have. Manchester City, they swap a lot out in midfield and they have experience as well as a bit of youth. Um, Is there anyone else that really you could say, would come close to that midfield? I don't think so. I mean, the names are there. And and I always thought, Nigel, it was going to be a problem for Real Madrid. I thought it was going to be a real issue because the, the three experienced boys who had won, you know, obviously so many titles at Real Madrid, especially the Champions League trophies and, and Modric, Cruz, and Casemiro. I just, I didn't know. I didn't know what to expect when Casemiro left. I was a bit worried but I guess we should not really doubt what's happening behind the scenes at Real Madrid. And listen, it's a big price tag to pay for for Chalmania. Completely, it was one that shocked me. I didn't realize how good he was. But when you watch them play right now, it's insane and it's fun to watch. And that's what I love from a Real Madrid side. And a Clasico, I want to see them really step up. I want to see the youngsters shine. And today they did exactly that yet again. I I love what they are right now. They are still a, a club right now, a team that not many people are speaking about in the Champions nope. League once again, and yep. they're still doing their business. And then domestically, if you notice this, Nigel, La Liga, top of the table, Barcelona, look at them, only conceded one goal. We'll talk about Barcelona, all the signings. No one's talking about Real Madrid, Real Madrid. going into this game again. 100%. 100%. And
2: percent. sign it up. And, and the crazy thing is, Ian, they won the Champions League last year. This <laughs> squad, undoubtedly, is better than last year. And like I said, even still, they're not playing at full potential. But what I like is, look at Madrid Madrid defending. They're all behind the ball. And again, all of the things we see from Madrid isn't just the players. It's credit to the respect they have for one of the great managers of the game in Ancelotti. They defend all behind the ball. But what they have is Vinicius Junior, Valverde, and other threats who can break to get behind the ball, to get ahead of the ball and be a, a, a pacey threat in behind where they can go from defending in their six-yard box to instantly in the edge of your box in three or four seconds. And like you said, no one's talking about them, but they're still grinding out results. They're not losing. Even as yeah. tough as their game against Shakhtar, the next was, they still came back to get a draw, which is credit yeah. to the mentality and also the manager. Because even in today's El Clasico, Ancelotti made some fantastic tactical changes in the substitutions he made. As Barcelona grew stronger in the game in the last 10 minutes, most managers will sit back and say, oh, these players should be able to see it out because they're top players. No, this is a manager who reads the game, reads the moment of the game, what the flow is, the decisions he made to bring Rudiger on, all those decisions there are what top-class managers do. Because yes, you've got superstar players, but you've got to read the flow of the game. The momentum was in favour of Barcelona. You make changes to see the game out. Fresh legs on in midfield, took Modric on, who was absolutely sensational today. But for me, if you're Real Madrid, you are happy where you are right now. Yes, you're top of the league, but still yet everyone's talking about, oh man, City favourite to win Champions League. Oh no, Real Madrid are still the top team in that Champions League.
1: Yeah, especially after day, you'd have to say they're still the team to beat in the Champions League and certainly still the team to beat in La Liga. Everybody out there, thank you so much for joining the show. You're watching Keiko Latze. We're going live Here's me and Nigel Rio-Coker. We've got Jonathan Johnson uh, coming to you live from Paris later on in the show. Please drop in a comment if you're out there watching and we've had some great comments coming in already. Uh, Rafa telling me that there's still something wrong with Bayern Munich. I think he's laughing at me. He only scored five <laughs> yeah, goals <yes>. today. Uh, <laughs> we've got Matt Osman saying he agrees with you, Nigel. Madrid's mid field, even without Casemiro, is unmatched. SSB 28 once again, if you get the first goal against Barcelona, they break mentally. The leaders in the locker room are not stable. I'm not sure, Nigel, if many are stable right now in that Barcelona locker room. There's a lot of talk off the field about Barcelona financially. What's happening at the club? It's being unstable. And um, Obviously, you could see with the ownership group, the president, there's issues right there. There's stress going on. Barcelona fans, I am sure, are unhappy, however delighted with the squad they put together this year. I mean, I can't even still fathom how on earth they managed to put the squad together. They are competing, But today you just saw that there was a different class with Real Madrid. And what did we learn from Barcelona today? I mean, what did you take away from their performance? They scored a great goal with Ferran Torres getting on the score sheet. Lovely assist. I thought Ansu Fati was great in the assist, even though Lewandowski was the one who was credited with the assist. Ansu Fati deserved it. What did you learn from this Barcelona side? And I want to know also from everybody out there who's a Barcelona fan. Let us know in the comments what you thought of Barcelona's performance today.
2: Yeah, do you know what? It'll be great to see some fans messaging to see what they think. So I think we can kind of add to that. But for me, like you said, it's a great assembled team, but I still feel they're lacking that real bite, that grit, that desire. Because even in the game, you look at it today, I saw greater determination and desire from Real Madrid players because they've got that extra X factor in the personality than Barcelona. I think Barcelona has died. It's died from the Barcelona side we saw a long time ago. There's only so much you know, PK can do. And obviously, I don't think he didn't play today. And um, for me, I just feel that it's, I don't know. I don't know. Would you really call it panicking in the sense of they panicked to compete because they know the financial implications of wanting to stay in the top two, top three in in, Mm -hmm. um, La Liga? So I would say that they've got some great young players coming through. Could they have taken their time again, do another year's rebuilding and just try and compete at a good level? But I feel that it's just because of the pride of being at Barcelona, they have to be in the Champions League. They have to be competing for um, La Liga titles where they could have taken that extra year out to really recruit well and just blood in the young players they've got coming through. Like you said, Fatou came in and done an assist. He's a player that's been in and out of favour at the moment. But overall, Ian, what I have seen this Barcelona side is what I've said before. Mm-hmm. Beautiful football, flattering to deceive to a certain degree. Reminds me a bit of Arsenal, flattering to deceive. They <laughs> play some great games. But when they come up against clubs that are seen as their equal or in the same level they crumble they can't get the job done they don't finish it off and I just feel that's where this Barcelona is at right now they're lacking that real bite in the top end of the pitch when they play against the big boys and like you said it as well Lewandowski missed a fantastic chance if he put that in the back of the net at 1-1 we could have been seeing a different El Clasico today
1: Yeah, we got a comment once again coming in about uh, Dembele and Rafinha. Can they be on the pitch at the same time? That's the question right there. They don't play well when they're on the pitch together. That one comes in once again from SSB28. Thank you so much for the comment. You keep it coming. I love to hear it. You're also saying, I'm hearing a lot of fans online saying that Xavi out, Xavi out. It's too soon to sack Xavi. Xavi is still learning on the job, but he needs to learn after his mistakes and Nigel sometimes when you have young coaches or coaches who know the history who have lived and breathed the football club for a long time we get that we respect what they did on the pitch but being on the bench and getting results during a turbulent time is not easy Xavi will learn from this right now and I think the way he's handling the media the pressure the situations the big jobs I think he's saying the right things he's
2: handling it pretty well He's handled it well, but again, it's, it's a difficult one, though, Ian. You've got to be realistic about this. You talk about Pochettino's out of a job. Pochettino yep. could have a different effect on that Barcelona team. Look what he did at Tottenham. you know. And if it's a building job or a project, that is what Pochettino is best at. And especially getting the best out of young players coming through, there's no better manager than that. I think the problem we have sometimes is with Xavi is there's that element of Passion of you being a player, playing in these games, and what it's like to represent the club, that all sometimes might cloud your judgment and be too involved in it. So sometimes it's not always the best thing to bring an ex player, an ex legend to manage that club because there's too much emotional involvement in that aspect of it. The best player that's ever had the luxury of doing it, I would say, is one of the greatest uh, Zinedine Zidane at his time at Real Madrid. You know, he didn't really have to do too much, you'd have to say tactically because of the players that he had, but there was respect there instantly. Because this was Zinedine Zidane. But I'm not saying Xavi doesn't demand that same respect, but you can see there's a different element of a greater passion of commitment for that club and Barcelona and the Basque region, which can sometimes cloud a manager's judgment and, you know, gets too emotionally involved where your message might not be taken the right way with certain players.
1: Yeah, well, there you have it. Uh, Clasico did not disappoint today. If you're a Real Madrid fan out there, they won by three goals to one. An outstanding performance. I thought Barcelona played well in the game. I think, uh, you know, more possession the ball, more shots, more shots on target. But at the end of the day, losing by three goals to one. Some big opportunities were missed right there. And Real Madrid now go top of the table in La Liga. Let's turn our attention while we're discuss- discussing now. Clasico and Karim Benzema on the score sheet to Ballon d'Or and bring in another legend of ours. Yes, welcome Jonathan G. Johnson to the show live from PSG. Oh, How you look doing, that. JD? Look at that! That must be look a Louis Vuitton right off. there.
2: How are you, buddy? French designer, famous French designer.
3: Name names. Yeah, JD. doing doing very well. Thanks, guys. Uh, appreciate the uh, appreciate the lead in and uh, just having to give Nigel a run for his money with the threads.
1: All right, let's get into the discussion on Ballon d'Or while you're there, because we've just been discussing Benzema on the score sheet once again, JJ, today. Um, I mean, listen, I read your article, obviously, on CBSports.com. Great job with that. But the statistics don't lie. What Karim Benzema has done for Real Madrid over the last 12 plus 24 months has been sensational. And maybe we need to be speaking more about him. So clearly he's the obvious winner of Ballon d'Or,
0: right?
3: Yeah, I mean, for me, I don't think I tried my best to, to, to rack my brains to, to come up with a credible candidate to rival him. And it's just impossible to do. Uh, any kind of combination of the way that you break down what Karen Benzema has done over the last season, uh, you know, all. Science point towards him winning it because you know you can look at you can look into the stats, uh, you know you can look into the fact that Benzema winning Pichichi, he's not scored as many goals as previous winners like Lionel Messi, like Cristiano Ronaldo. But you look at some of the timing of those goals, it's just incredible. Look at some of the hat tricks that he dropped in the Champions League against PSG, against Chelsea. You know, scored three out of Real six goals uh, against Manchester City to get them through. You know, Benzema is as key as they came. Uh, you know, for Real in all of their successes last season. He contributed in pretty much every important game. Uh, you know, I, I think, you know, both in terms of individual contribution and what you know, Real achieved as a whole, like together, uh, you know, I think Benzema deserves it for that. And then you can also add in the fact that he won his first silver war with France as one well in the nation's league. I know it's perhaps not as prestigious as a world cup or a Euro, but it's a trophy all the same. And it's one that France have picked up and added to the, to the trophy cabinet. So, uh, you know, for me, I don't think there's anyone that really could rival, uh, you know, Benzema, not even somebody from within his own team.
2: Nigel, you yeah, got I anything agree. here? No, I agree with you, JJ. I think for me as well, most of the, most of the let's be real, most of the Ballon d'Or winners are Champions League winners, and what he did with that Real Madrid side was the vital run. And as you said, you've seen it, Ian. I've seen it. Certain players at the right moment of time, when you go on a run for a two three month period of scoring tremendous amount of goals, and everyone's talking about you, that's when you end up getting a big move. And I think for Benzema's case, it's there's never been any doubt about his talent and ability, but he just went on the most vital run at that time for Real Madrid. To lead the club, be the club leader and take them to win the Champions League with a squad that all Madrid fans will be honest and say they did never expect themselves to win the Champions League last year. That they didn't feel that squad was good enough. It was lacking extra bit of superstars or, you know, from what it is. And it was talismatic, as you would say, JJ. Yes, I took your words. Uh, <laughs> but no, yeah, I think you're right. I don't think there's really any competition.
1: Yeah, let me just give you a few stats on the season that he had as well. Benzema registered 44 goals and 15 assists and 46 appearances in all competitions for Real Madrid in 21-22. An average of direct goal contribution of every 66 minutes. I mean, insane statistics right here. Oh no, I'm not done here. He scored 15 goals in the Champions League in 21-22, the joint third most by any single season. Champions League campaign, outstanding statistics and of course, Benzema scored more Champions League goals than 23 of the teams who qualified for the competitions this season, including Juve, Man United, Barcelona, Atletico Madrid, Inter and Borussia Dortmund. The striker got either a goal or an assist in 32 of 46 club games he appeared in 2021-22 campaign. It's just sensational. And uh, I'm going to just... Leave the last word for you, JJ, before we move on to the PSG and Marseille game about him. Because, of course, tomorrow everyone can tune in live on so uh, 2.30 Eastern, and watch the ceremony, of course, on P-Plus. You can also watch it. And right after that's it's handed out to Benzema. You can come and join the boys on So, uh, JJ, once again, like I said, Benzema today, great performance from him. Got the victory done, but Real Madrid victorious again. And Benzema is one of the reasons why.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And I think as well, something that's really interesting about, uh, you know, Benzema's situation at Real is a lot of people wrote him off when Cristiano Ronaldo left the club. They were like, oh, you know, it's going to be too much of a challenge. Those boots were too big to fill, uh, you know, when when Ronaldo moved on. Yep. Benzema has stepped up to the plate, he's delivered, uh, you know, and he has arguably enabled Real to continue to squeeze uh, you know, the 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 rest of the 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 juice, so to speak, out of that squad. Because many people, myself included, you know, I I did think that they were, you know, sort of coming to an end. Yet when you've got players of the quality uh, of Modric, you've got somebody like Courtois, you know, at the back as well, arguably one of the only players who might have been able to to challenge Benzema, uh, you know, for the Ballon d'Or. But when you've got a, an individual goalkeeper award, it's going to be very difficult to do that. Uh, you know, it, it's... It, to, to be able to give Real that that longevity, you just needed somebody as gifted, somebody as experienced, uh, you know, somebody who's been there and done that, like Ancelotti, to come in, put an arm around those players and just gently coax them uh, into the right kind of form at the right moments in the season. Obviously, they got some lucky breaks as well. There's no denying that. But, uh, you know, you make your own luck as well at times. And, you know, Benzema and Real have done that fantastically well. Uh, You know, and suddenly there seems to be a bit more life in this Real squad than we initially thought.
1: Yeah, insanely so. I agree with you. Great comments as always. And like I said before, please everybody go out and check CBSSports.com and make sure you find the great articles from our Jonathan Johnson. Great one on this Ballon d'Or race. And of course, uh, yeah, Karim Benzema, the favorite to lift the trophy. Make sure you can catch it, of course, at 2.30 uh, p.m. Eastern on Paramount+. Plus. Just to remind everybody, let's turn our attention right now to Les Classique in Ligue 1. Oh, that's where JJ is right now. Um, Nigel caught the game I caught a little bit of the game Neymar on the score sheet PSG got the victory overall thoughts on the game JJ what was the atmosphere like what was the build up like obviously a lot of nonsense talk going into the game but overall PSG getting the important three points and I'm sure everyone's happy
3: yeah i mean uh the atmosphere is always going to be electric uh for these games despite the fact there's no away fans you know the home fans will always be up for it and it's the same in marseille as well uh you know this means so much to, to both sets of fans you know it was uh keenly contested uh, on the pitch. I think it, you know, it swung on a couple of really key moments during the match. Uh, I think PSG had a much better first half than the second half. Paul Lopez made some phenomenal saves uh, in the first half to, to keep Marseille in it. And I think it really changed on that one uh, you know, bit of brilliance, Mbappe teeing up Neymar for the goal, uh, and then Gigo getting sent off uh, in the second half. You know, I think that really sort of was the nail in the coffin uh, for Marseille in terms of trying to get back into the game. Not... The best uh, classic that I've ever seen, but also you know not not a bad one either. You know I think it's good for PSG to have these games where they're tested, uh, you know, and they're pushed as close as they have done. And of course, we've seen PSG draw three straight matches coming into this. Once that ends, uh, sort of you know a, a relatively barren run for them. But uh, you know I think it was also refreshing just to not be talking about Kylian Mbappé at the end of the game, you know, for the wrong reasons, you know. He put in uh, the right kind of performance tonight, uh, teed up Neymar for that goal. And, uh, you know, I think hopefully now there'll be some line drawn under some of the the stuff that's been discussed earlier this week and we can actually focus on the football again.
2: Nah, JJ, I don't want no line drawn. I want it to continue. I love the soap opera drama, Right, You can write a book of this stuff. Long may it continue at PSG. Um, JJ, do you think that um, from what you saw today, again, you're really starting to see and understand the importance of Lionel Messi at PSG in this team at the moment and like you said before you answered that I think that Marseille really did test PSG and the only thing that I look at is the Champions League because I think that's still their main focal point I still feel that they are very vulnerable when it comes to Champions League because of the opportunities they present and when it gets to the last 16 against top teams and top opposition I think PSG will be punished and I still feel they'll fall short of the Champions League this year what's your thoughts?
3: I mean, I think that is is a valid point and I can't disagree with you at this moment in time. I think we've seen recently how vulnerable PSG's defense can be. Danilo Pereira, who's already, you know, a makeshift central defender, normally plays in midfield going off injured today. That's another big blow. Uh, you know, I think PSG will really miss Kimpembe until he's back and he's fully fit. Uh, Ramos being suspended obviously doesn't help. And that is a weakness that could be exploited, especially in the champions league, because let's not forget, you know, if they struggle against Haifa at home, uh, you know, depending on which way the results go between Benfica and Juve, suddenly that game away at Juve at the end of the group stage could get a little more interesting. And I think PSG have probably done enough to get through in their group. But uh, I do agree with you. Uh, You know, I do still think that, you know, they they might be found wanting a little bit. I I think the the January transfer window could be key for PSG, actually, because if they don't bring in certain profiles of players or address certain needs in the squad, uh, you know, I do think that they will continue to, you know, just sort of, amble along a little bit. It's it's not quite as bleak as it was under Pochettino, but it's also not sort of the rip-roaring action that we saw at the very beginning of the season when they were thumping teams like Lille. Uh, I think that, you know, PSG really, really needs some extra depth in the defence, but also not just the fact that Mbappe wanted it. I do think they need a bit of variety up top as well. You're right. Yep. You know, Messi is completely uh, indispensable to this PSG at this moment in time and is now really well and truly ingrained into the way that PSG play. But I think being able to go a little bit more direct, changing up the style a little bit more, not only suits someone like Christophe Geltier, but also, uh, you know, I think would give PSG a different style of play that they haven't had for quite a long time now. Let's to go and get Osman. Yeah, you should.
2: (laughs) You know what? I've never seen
1: uh, Lionel Messi hit the woodwork more than when he's been playing at PSG. It's ridiculous how many times he hits the crossbar, he hits the post. It's absolutely insane. But convince a victory. We've got a few more minutes with Jonathan Johnson live in Paris. Uh, Neymar on the score sheet today. His ninth league one goal this campaign, 12th all competitions here. Um, He goes level with Jonathan David here. Just want to pick your brain on Jonathan David in the season he's having at Lille right now. I mean, quite sensational, obviously going to the World Cup with Canada. But do we have a a little bit of a golden boot race in France?
3: I mean, it's, uh, you know, he's back in the form that everyone sort of hoped and expected him to maintain last season. Obviously, that died off a little bit over the second half of the campaign. But, uh, you know, Jonathan David at this moment in time, integral to to that little side, uh, you know, and in really uh, fine scoring fettle uh, heading towards the, the World Cup. So, uh, you know, I think that it's he, he's a player who, is definitely in line for a move to, uh, you know, one of the, the bigger leagues in Europe. Uh, probably at the end of the season, I don't think he'll make that move in the winter. Uh, but I definitely think a lot of Premier League clubs and La Liga clubs will be looking at him again, uh, having gone off him a little bit uh, over the summer because of that Baron run that he had uh in the second half of last season but I think there was yeah. a stat I saw earlier that was Neymar's ninth goal in League 1 this season only Jonathan David has scored as many as he has at this moment in time so that just gives you an idea of how he's keeping pace with some of the top talents in the league
2: JJ onto something closer to your heart than the amazing wine that you're having in France Villa <laughs> did you get to catch the game today and if so
3: what do you think of the performance that you saw today Look at his face. Uh, yeah, uh, I mean, how 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 long do we have left? Uh, I mean, there's so many so many things to pick through. Uh, Performance-wise, I was encouraged, uh, but ultimately, it's not the games against your Chelsea's, your Manchester Cities that Steven Gerrard should be judged in. It's the games against the other clubs, the club, the teams that you know, arguably uh, are the winnable games uh, for Villa, and. For me, I think it's time for for Villa to act. Yeah, there's me saying that I think it's time for for Gerard to be axed. I do because if if Villa beat Fulham uh, on Thursday, and then they go and you know start dropping points against some of these other clubs again, you know what really has that achieved? It feels like you know, Villa are just putting off the inevitable. While there are some very, very good candidates on the market as well. You were talking about Pochettino to Barca earlier. He's been linked with the Villa job as well. Whether or not, you know, Villa can actually persuade him to come in and try and turn that team around at the moment. You know, we'll have to wait and see, but it feels like, I mean, I know that the, the, the big bosses were there watching the game today. Uh, If you were basing it just on that match, you could say that Villa are unlucky, you know, a couple of, uh, you know, mistakes, one phenomenal goal as well from uh, Mason Mount, but you know, there's only so many excuses that you can put forward for for this Villa side. They should be performing like that much more often. And if they had, they'd be picking up more points. But at the same time, uh, like I said earlier, you don't get judged on the results against Chelsea and City when you're a Villa. You get judged on the other results against the other clubs. And those results, those performances haven't been good enough. And I think that is why, you know, now is the time that, that Gerard should go.
2: Ooh, do you feel the same yeah. Nigel? before we get out of here? Do you know what? Yeah, I think Jonathan's right. But for me, the sad thing is, this has been the best performance by Villa all season. It was good. Like They were better than Chelsea. Either Chelsea were really that bad or Villa were amazing, but it's the best performance. Kepa was man of the match. The saves he pulled out in this game were absolutely sensational. But like we know, we always say this, and for listeners to understand, when you play top oppositions, the one or two opportunities you get, you need to take them and be clinical. Because if you don't, you'll be punished. And that's what we saw from Villa today. doesn't matter how well they played. It's still at the end of the day, they're going to say Villa lost. As poor as Chelsea were and as amazing as Keppel was, they're going to say Villa lost again. They didn't take the opportunities. They got punished. Playing so narrow still. You've got so much width to use out. You've got Oli Watkins. You've got Danny Ings. They're both a threat in the air, but we still don't use that. Steven Gerrard sticking to his principle. It hasn't been working. And today isn't the first day we've heard Villa fans rumbling for wanting Steve Gerrard to leave. It's been going on for a while. And now, yeah. like Jonathan said, they have to make a decision.
3: I think as well, the other thing that's really disheartening if you're a Villa fan is listening to some of the comments that Gerrard has made sort of either side of the game, you know, coming out and saying Chelsea should be wiping the floor with Villa, uh, you know, and then, uh, you know, basically trying to point out that there's been marginal progress made. I think we're in the same position in the Premier League table, but we're not coming off the run, uh, the back of a run of five straight defeats like we were when Dean Smith left. It's, let, me yeah, come, to me.
2: let me Let me add this as well, JJ, you're right, because you're obviously knowledgeable more than me in the media side of things. The problem mister gerard has got is you look at Eddie Howe, what he's doing at Newcastle. Newcastle squad and Villa squad, there's not that much great difference apart from one or two players. But you look at what Eddie Howe is doing at Newcastle, the performance they put in there. There's no grumblings from Newcastle fans to say, oh, we need a better manager mm-hmm. now, we've got money. No, because they're performing. And today they were probably the better side than Manchester United, apart from the last ten minutes of the game. But for Villa, apart from today's performance, it's hard to say that for Villa. And you need to be playing at a level at least where the fans will be behind you if they see the performances. If they see it's not the manager, it's just one or two. But then you haven't seen the performances, and you haven't seen the right things happening tactically. So what choice have you got? Yeah, but today was a good performance, Nigel. Today they performance played very well. How many? How many? One performance out of what, mate? Listen, yeah, but, you, but you're, saying, quite right you're saying
1: you're saying if the performance is not there, but today was a good performance. They just found a yeah, goalkeeper uh, that was an insane
2: performance. One performance in the whole season isn't good enough this far into the season, Ian. Like, you can't just have one performance against Chelsea. The performance against Forrest wasn't good enough, nowhere near it. And let's be real Forest are going to go down. They're one of the teams that are definitely going to be down maybe before Christmas. You have to have consistent performances, even if you look, I'll put it again look at Crystal Palace. Crystal Palace's performances have been good. Fans haven't been calling for Vieira's head because the reality of it is as much as they've lost some games, the performances by the players have been good. Villa hasn't been the same case.
3: All right. Oh, that's Nigel, quickest... Nigel, Nigel's got a lot of experience of uh, when the Villa fans uh, turn on a team. So uh, I think oh, I you were,
1: when you, I see, you
3: were saying a lot of experience, I wasn't going to get I wasn't <laughs> going pe- to get personal about it. No, but, uh, you know, when when the Villa, fa- when Villa Park in its entirety turns on the team, on the manager, it's very, very difficult to come back from that. And I think that is the situation Gerard finds himself in now.
1: Hey, that's the, the, the quickest time ever any podcast has ever gone from uh, Classico all the way through to Le Classique to Aston Villa sacking their manager on any podcast in the <laughs> world. Jonathan Johnson, thank you so much. As always, coming to live from Paris. We appreciate you. Bonne nuit, my friend. We'll see you again very soon. Actually, you're back on tomorrow, so we'll see you tomorrow. Thanks, guys. of Thank you, everybody else out there for watching. We're going to take a quick break, but when we return, we'll take a look around at what else happened around the rest of Europe, including an absolute classic in the Premier League. We'll touch on a bit of Bundesliga and also the best of the rest from the Italian Serie A. Welcome back to Kegel Lats, everybody. It's Ian Joy, alongside Nigel Rio Coca. We've already discussed El Classico. We've already gone through Le Classique. Now we want to... Discuss as SSB28 said, no Liverpool City talk? Question mark? Well, here
2: you go. Yeah, let's, that's let's right. Go let's SSB. League, let's go, SSB. <laughs> hey, SSB, you better come in with a very good question with that kind of statement. You better bring yeah. it.
1: The aggression bring coming in SSB. from all the comments. What's Keep your take coming. on the game? Tell him, what's Let your take on the your game, thoughts. SSB? If you have a question, drop it in the comments before Nigel Rio Coker. Liverpool. Manchester City was an absolute banger of a game. Overall thoughts on the performance and the result. Was it a deserved victory from Liverpool Football Club?
2: I don't know where to start, Ian. I think for me, you couldn't get a better advert for the Premier League than what we saw. The first half was lacking that little bit of uh, beauty in the end in the final third, but you could not sit there as a neutral and watch that game and say that wasn't a great game of football. From the commitment, the passion and desire shown by both sets of players, End-to-end football, and he was just missing that final moment. What a fantastic game of football. The passion by the managers. Um, not really going to touch too much on the on the crowd behavior because that wasn't really worth mentioning because it's not it's going to take away from the great game of football. But mm-hmm. what an advert for the Premier League that was. And Liverpool, what great character they've shown because of everything they've been yeah. experiencing recently. They beat Rangers. Some people might think and using that as a false falsehood to say oh now because they beat Rangers they're going to beat Man City no but Man City it was just a great game it really really was a great game of football and it was great for anyone watching neutral
1: yeah, we have a lot of great comments coming in right now here. Media Centre, Manny said, great spectacle and shows why the EPL is such a global draw. We have another one from SSB28. I'd argue right now that Liverpool-Manchester City might be the best match in the world right now, the best matchup in the world. Both teams always have a great game. And I was actually thinking this. You know, I was trying to reach out to our desk and say, maybe we should switch this here from Classico to what happened in the Premier League because I just couldn't take my eyes off what was happening at Anfield. It was end-to-end action. It was a winning goal from Mo his ninth goal of the seasonal competitions, but it was a big mistake from Cancelo um, Nigel at the end of the day. And get this one, Alisson with the second assist of the campaign, his there third Premier League assist. I mean, <laughs> just insane from the goalkeeper, but it goes to show you, Nigel, you played in the Premier League. You cannot afford to make mistakes in big games because you will get punished by the world's best and Mo Salah but, punished City today.
2: And that's what we talk about. We talked about it just not too long ago before the break about being clinical. Mo Salah took his chance. You probably could criticize him whether he should have scored that first chance again, but was it a world-class save by Edison? He got a fingertip to it to push it wide. But again, even after that, again, when Nunes came on, there was another opportunity where Nunes should have squared the ball, in my opinion. we can argue whether he didn't see it or not, but he should have squared the ball to Salah when they broke in a, I think it was a 3v2 situation. But again, Nunes, for me, I think, in my personal opinion, I feel he's in competition with the whole Haaland thing, because it's been the Haaland show. Everything was about Erling Haaland before the game. Haaland, big game, Liverpool. You know, is he going to score? Nunes comes on, hasn't had the greatest starts right now in the Premier League. Tried Mm -hmm. to be selfish, where for me, should have passed it to Salah. Game Mm -hmm. done. But again, at the end of the day, they still got the win. And it's just amazing for me. You look at that from front to back. And when you make mistakes at that high level, you're going to get punished. Haaland, for me, probably should have scored with that cross that De Bruyne put in. We've seen him putting them Mm in the back of the net, the header. So it just shows how competitive he is again. But we've got to give credit, for me, to Gomez. Gomez came in. He's a player that's taken a lot of flack and stick when he has played for Liverpool. Not had Mm -hmm. the best of times, but coming into a game of this magnitude against Erling Haaland and Manchester City, the force that they are. He had a fantastic game alongside Van Dijk. And also to my old teammate, who I used to share a lot, uh, a, a, a team, well, share a locker room with James Milner. (laughs) He's done a fantastic job at his age at 37 for keeping Phil folding in his pocket for that game. He had a great, great game coming in at that age. And again, a game of this magnitude, but you're talking about a player that's seen it all been there and done it all. Doesn't get a lot of credit that he deserves, but he was fantastic today. And it was really a great game. But I've got a question for you, Ian. What's in that game? Do you feel at any time that if Manchester City really wanted to step it up to another gear, they could have? Do you feel that Manchester City really only still kept it at third gear? No,
1: I don't think they kept it at third gear. I I think they were just having problems stepping it up. I think that was what their main issue was. They, they they, They couldn't get to that stage where they were just like, we're going to freaking go for this now. We're not going to let Liverpool be able to live with us with this dynamic movement off the ball with the movement from Haaland in behind. There was always that something missing where you're sitting waiting for them to get going in the opposition half where you normally see City create that pass in behind. You normally see that cross in behind and relentlessly it's cross after cross it's pass after pass where the defence and the opposition can't live with it. But today for some reason Liverpool sort of tactically approached the game incredibly well. I thought the way they, they were shaped up was great and at times you cannot defend some of the crosses that come into the box. And the Haaland one that you're talking about, you can't defend that. You can only hope that he doesn't put it in the back of the net. So that's where the quality has to come through in big games. And that's where you need to see an Erling Haaland stepped up and and put the ball in the back of the net in big games. Didn't do it. So what did we learn? And there's great comments coming in. I'm going to get into the comments in just a second. But I want to get your opinion on what we learned from Manchester City today. Outside of the fact that maybe we're both waiting for them to really step up the gear... What else did you learn from City
2: today? I honestly didn't learn that much from City, if I'm honest. I think that that, that's what City is at the moment. I feel that the biggest thing I've learned from City is the fact of not having a Raheem Sterling. They don't really have that threat to get in behind now without carrying the ball. Yes, Sterling can dribble the ball and beat people, but he still has that threat to make that running behind without having possession of the ball in his feet. City are missing that. You look at Mahrez, dribbler, Grealish, dribbler. Haaland, yes, has the ability to get in behind, but it's still a difficult ask. And you're looking at midfield area as well. Do they really have that great athleticism that they did before? I'll probably say no. So I Mm -hmm. think for me that with City, you would have to say they're really missing now that threat in behind without having the ball. And um, again, I think it's credit to Liverpool. I think Liverpool got everything right today tactically. Players stepped up. Players won their individual battles. Thiago was sensational in midfield as well again. He yep. brings a different element. Now, He, I always say he's a bit of an evolution of Jurgen Klopp's midfield in the sense he's not your typical Jordan Henderson or Fabinho. Like He makes things happen with forward passes, his ability on the ball, and he sees things and, and, and makes passes that other players, like Henderson and Fabinho, without being disrespectful to them, couldn't see mm-hmm. or make. So I think for me, you see that there's elements missing in City, and a lot of people think because of the great start they've had with Haaland, They're their favourites to win the Champions League. And I was not one of those people. I still don't think they're going to win the Champions League because today Liverpool showed how you can defeat Manchester Mm. City. I thought there was a
1: a bit of an issue with Pep Guardiola as well because he only made one substitution. There's a great comment coming in from SSB28 once again. We've got more comments coming in from other than SSB28, by the way. But he said Pep got it wrong today. One sub used and it was in the 89th minute. Uh, This game needed a Grealish for Manchester City. But you're absolutely right. It needed some explosiveness. So I found it a little confusing to not see Grealish come onto the pitch at all. Or Mahrez, for that matter, when they needed that explosiveness to get him behind, but also that creativeness, like yeah. a Grealish, that can unlock a defence that many times today didn't look like they could be beaten outside of crosses into the box, hoping that Haaland could get, get on the end of it, or maybe uh, a, a deep pass where he can use his pace to get on the end of it, like he almost did two or three times today. It was really, really? impressive, you know, like obviously the way Liverpool defended that.
2: Well, you know, also, Ian, what they did do as well is that we talked about the bromance developing between Kevin De Bruyne and, and Haaland. Whenever yeah. Kevin De Bruyne has the ball, look how quickly Liverpool shut him down today. So he couldn't right. really get his head up. He couldn't really get that link up there. Apart from that cross, he did yeah, get in. Yeah, but by the
1: way, he had two or three today where you're just like, how does he do that?
2: <laughs> yeah, he, he, he's inevitably he's going to get it. But if you can limit it to two or three a game, you've got more chance of winning it, that game of football against Manchester City, than letting him have five or six because he will punish you with the more opportunities he gets. But again, I think for me, that was just such a fascinating game of football. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about the foul. In your opinion, for the Manchester City goal, scored by Mm -hmm. Phil Foden, was it a foul on Fabinho by Erling Haaland before?
1: I think it was a foul. I think it was a foul for me. I'm okay with the decision. And I guess that's why video review is there. As soon as you make that tug on the jersey, and even if you don't pull him enough... The, the intention is there. And when you make contact with the jersey, just a little bit, it doesn't need to drag him down. Just as long as you knock him off balance a little bit, that's where the foul's conceded. It's not a lot. And I can understand why City would be frustrated with that one. What, what about you? What are your thoughts on it?
2: Oh, 100%. I, f- I feel that you say it wasn't, it was a tug. It was a clear, there was enough tug and force behind that. Sure. That was a foul. Clearly, in a regular run of play without the VAR and slowing it down, you may not think it's a foul. You may not see it. But mm. I think for me, there was enough force in that for it to be seen as a foul. You can clearly see there was enough behind that in the sense in the way that Fabinho fell down as well because he was trying to get himself in front of the in front of Haaland and the ball. Whenever you get yep. yourself in front of the defender and the ball, more than likely, any kind of pull or clear, it's always going to be a foul.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you. we got some great comments coming in, Nigel, here on Kegel Lats. Everyone, we're discussing the Premier League, and obviously the talking point was a classic Premier League game today. Liverpool with a 1-0 victory over Manchester City. Let's get to some of the comments. Uh, Matt Osman agrees with you, Nigel. He says, Milner gets plenty of credit. He's the most overrated, underrated player, if that makes any sense whatsoever. Great comment from Matt, but absolutely agree with you, Nigel. What a performance from him at his age. He continues to do it here. Manchester City, a lot of bit of explosiveness. You said that as well. No Sterling or Jesus. Jesus plays well against Liverpool. I agree with you on that point there, but that's where you need a Haaland to step up and take the opportunities. He tried mm-hmm. and tried to get him behind. thought Van Dyke at the end as well, by the way, really defended well with his aggression. Um, uh, we have a few agreeing with us with Pep Guardiola's decision-making when it comes to who he went with on the, the starting eleven. Why not bring in players onto the pitch here? We've got City seem to be uh, to pass and recycle the ball with little probing. You are correct. Sterling and Jesus had the ability to surge a game and spark something. Yes, of course, but when you've got a team that defends as well as Liverpool do today, you can't go anywhere
2: at times. All you can do is try and keep possession of the ball. it's difficult to break that down. I have a wild factor for you, Ian. Yep. For me, I look at that city bench. There's one player who could have came on and be kind of the how do I say the catalyst because he's still a bit of an unknown element. I would have brought on Alvarez. The way he came on in the 89th minute, Nigel. 89th minute. I Why? Him on earlier. I'm telling you, that kid can make a big difference early in enough time. Enough time. I just want to know how many fans listen to me because I was one of the only few people who backed Liverpool to get Mm -hmm. the job done. You did. So I don't know if any fans made some money. I'll be waiting for my drink.
1: Listen, there's a lot of people out there who are backing everything you're saying right now, and actually your prediction game is on fire at the moment, Nigel, so try not to lose that. I want to get on a topic here that's uh, really hot in the discussion right now, and that is Darwin Nunes here. Uh, Rafa says, I can't decide if Darwin Nunes is a good or bad player. What a great comment that is right there. We've actually got a little debate going on here. Media Center Man says, to Rafa, by the way, he responded to who's commenting on our show, "Uh, he looks good and terrible in equal measure. He comes on, drives past players, unleashed a good Shot, but then ignores open players and falls over his own feet. I got a text from my dad today, who's a Man United fan, by the way. I'm just gonna throw that in there. Loves watching Manchester City, which is kind of weird. However, he said to me, Darwin Nunes is not a Liverpool player. I said, give him time, he needs some time, he's a good player, but right now he is a little frustrated. And two minutes later, that opportunity you're talking about where he probably should have squared the ball, tried to chip it, and the chance is gone. What's going on with Darwin Nunez? I mean, is he still the guy that they signed? I mean, what's happening there?
2: I, in my opinion of what I've seen so far, I think for me, Nunes is going to be one of those players who takes longer to settle into the Premier League than it should because of the money that they spend, because that's what people are going to look at. Mm-hmm. Haaland's taken to the Premier League like duck to water. There's an expectancy for being at Liverpool that they want Nunes to adapt to the Premier League quicker but I feel it's going to take a longer time I feel he's lost confidence and belief in himself Mm -hmm. and I think he needs to get back to basics because even with that opportunity again he's still trying to go by himself he still doesn't look confident in the way he positions himself and striking the ball it just seems so rushed and so all over the place doesn't seem structured so I think he needs to go back to the basics and understand when you come into a team like that you set up Mo Salah The next Mm -hmm. chance that Mo Salah gets, he's going to know the pressure's on you. They're going to set you up with a simple tapping. Then you can slowly build your confidence. But if you want to go and try and compete and feel that you have to prove to be number nine straight away without thinking, as long as the team wins, my goals are going to come. You're putting yourself back for failure. And that's what I feel that Nunes is doing right now. He's putting himself for failure because he's trying too hard. Jurgen Klopp can see that. And even when he did go through that time, I think he knew he was offside. And he tried to chip um, Edson. Yep. He didn't even come off properly, which you can see it, yeah. there's a lack of confidence still there in him. So I just feel that he's going to be one of those players. It's going to take time to adapt mm-hmm. to the premier league, but he's not going to get that time because mm-hmm. you are at Liverpool and there's an expectancy to hit the ground running.
1: Yeah, no time to waste here. Here's a few stats from that game before we move on to the rest of the best that happened in the Premier League this past weekend. By the way, I thought Bernardo Silva was terrific in this game, especially in the first half. My, oh my, he was everywhere. Everywhere. And I thought equally, I thought Harvey Elliott was everywhere as well for Liverpool, man. What a player he is, the kid. He's terrific today. So here's the stats coming up here. Uh, most Premier League goals scored for Liverpool Football Club. Robbie Fowler's got 128. Mohamed Salah now has 121. That is one more than the great legendary Stephen Gerrard, who uh, Nigel Rio Coker once fired at Aston him. Nah, nah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> 100 goals here. Here we go. Stats are
1: still coming your way, Nigel. Mo has become only the second player in Premier League history to score 100-plus left-footed goals after Robbie Fowler, who has 105 goals, so he's catching up very, very quickly behind him. As I mentioned earlier on, it was his ninth goal of the season across all competitions. He is starting to find his form after his hat-trick against Glasgow Rangers in six minutes. Let's move on to the best of the rest in the Premier League. Nigel Rio Coker will start off with uh, Leeds United-Arsenal. A uh, bit of an interesting game there. Obviously, match was delayed with the equipment issue. Saka got on the score sheet. Very important goal. Four goals in his last three games. Controversial decisions. I mean, it was kind of crazy. However, for the first time in club history, Arsenal have won nine of their opening 10 Premier League games. Impressive.
2: Yep. Arsenal are leading the way. Uh, the question is now, how long can they maintain that? And I think the biggest thing I'll take from this game, I want to say two points about this game only. one, Both players should have been sent off for the theatrics, comical nonsense we saw with uh, Bamfield getting the penalty uh, against Gabriel. I think for me, that was absolutely embarrassing by both players, and they both should have been sent off for that. But (laughs) for me, the bigger picture of Arsenal, they got the job done, they grinded out the results, they're really starting to show great resilience and a great mental toughness. That is what they're going to need for the whole entire season, to really go all the way to try and compete to win this Premier League title. I think that's a a real, oh, that's a big win mentally for Arsenal. That's the biggest yeah. take I get from that game.
1: Yeah, because that was a very good Leeds United side to a very right. dynamic and very dangerous. Missed the penalty kick, of course. Banford uh, really struggling right now, obviously, just trying to get his confidence after injury. Four points clear now at the top of the Premier League for Arsenal. Uh, you touched upon Aston Villa and uh, Chelsea. Big victory, obviously, with Mason Mount getting on the score sheet a couple of times. Kepa was outstanding. But real quickly, I want to get your opinion on Reese James out for eight weeks now. Looks like he's going to miss the big tournament, Nigel. That's a shame.
2: It's a shame. I think Rhys James is great. England are blessed to have a lot of right backs. Yes, you've still got Trent Alexander-Arnold. Obviously, there's no point in talking about him because he's not Gareth Southgate's cup of tea. But let's not forget Kieran Chipria. Chipria mm-hmm. is fantastic. He's an all-round right back. Doesn't get the the luxury kind of seeding as uh, obviously Rhys James and Trent do ahead of him. But Kieran Cipria is a fantastic right back. Can do it all. Mm-hmm. And he could even play on the opposite side. And our producer, Des, is a big Atletico Madrid fan who loves Kieran Trippier for his time at Atletico Madrid because of what he did, and he was great at Atleti, and I can see him there in the comment. So I just don't think that England are really that in a devastating spot because you've got Trippier, you look at his performance today, Yeah, had Jordan Santo in his pocket.
1: Yeah. One man who could be on the plane and probably should be on the plane is Ivan Toney. He was on uh, the double again for Brentford this weekend against Brighton Two no victory for them. Brentford move up to eighth place. Does he deserve to to have more of a show here with the England lineup here? Raj?
2: Yeah, of course he does. I think he definitely deserves to be in that squad to go there. He's, he's, if he's done on form and done on how you're performing, then he definitely has to be in that squad. So I think, I mean, I had a conversation with someone earlier today and I personally believe that, um, Gareth Southgate's already got his squad narrowed down pretty much. Unless some injuries happen from now till the naming of the squad, I think he mm-hmm. already knows his squad. He was there at the Villa game today. so And then people were questioning who is he watching. But I think, like I said, he's already known his squad and knows it already
1: couple more points in the Premier League here. Spurs got a 2-0 victory over Everton. Uh, Harry Kane, captain of England right now, obviously on the score sheet again from the penalty spot here. And Heuberg also on the penalty spot, convincing victory for Spurs. Big victory actually right there. That, for me, that's an impressive victory. And you could tell with the, the emotion after the game from Conte, he means business, Nigel, man. This guy continues to impress me at Spurs.
2: Listen, it's crazy. It's a Conte team, Conte performance. Spurs are sitting third. No one's talking about them. Only four points off the top as well. And Conte is doing his business quietly. If Tottenham don't realise they've got one of the great managers in world football right now and they should back him and believe in players that he wants to sign and what he wants to do, then Tottenham will never win anything for another 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 years. That's just the reality. (laughs) They haven't won anything in a long time anyway. If they don't believe in Conte now, then they've got no chance of ever winning anything.
1: Wolves got a 1 0 victory over Nottingham Forest at the bottom of the table. Ruben Neves with the goal, Forest missed a penalty in that game. Uh, real quickly before we last comment, obviously in the Premier League here. Cristiano Ronaldo subbed off at Manchester United's board 0 0 draw against Newcastle United. Clearly
2: frustrating. And uh, Cristiano Ronaldo not happy there. Your overall thoughts on the reaction? I mean, what can you say? I've, I've, you talk about the evolution of players, uh, Ian. We talked about it already. Messi's made Barcelona his team. Messi's a facilitator, getting involved, still doing it. Ronaldo's style of play, he can't be the facilitator at Manchester United. What they need him to do is score goals and make things happen. But there clearly is no understanding between him and his teammates right now. Swim frustrated so many times in the game today with Anthony's crossing and then the lack of quality from Anthony's crossing. And that's a a player that Manchester United paid nearly $100 for. And then he gets subbed off. Best chance of the game from a fantastic cross by Casemiro, falls to Marcus Rashford who the manager said needs to be more clinical. Think if that was Cristiano Ronaldo in that spot, in that moment, yeah. what would yeah. happen? So I'm sure he's got some wise words right now for what he was calling the gaffer when that chance by Rashford was missed.
1: All right, let's rattle off the best of the rest from Europe. Let's begin with Serie A. Torino lost by a goal to nil to Juventus, who desperately needed the victory. I thought it was a fantastic goal from Vlahovic. I don't know if you caught it, Nigel. Little flick on from Danilo, back post where a striker should be. Vlahovic got the goal. Juve remain in eighth place, if I'm not mistaken, in the table, but a big victory for Juve.
2: Massive victory. Vlahovic scored. I think they needed that as a little bit of a morale boost. And uh, let's see what happens next, though. Because you do expect Juventus to win that game. You should expect Juventus to win that game. But it's what happens next after that. You continue
1: to fly high with Napoli there, a 3-2 victory over Bologna. Uh, Juan Jesus, uh, Chucky Lothano, and awesome, men, your boys scored. Uh, Napoli have scored, uh, what, 20 goals in the last five matches across all competitions. I can't even fathom what's going on there. 30 goals in the last nine since they played Liverpool at home. You remember that victory? They absolutely smashed the Reds there as well. I mean, this doesn't seem like it's slowing down here. They were tested a couple of times. They went behind. They also drew level at 2-2, but then found the winner, thanks to awesome men. And you can tell this team is united. This team is energetic they don't give a shit who they're playing against they're beating everyone
2: I don't need to add any more to what you just said Ian you said it all there I don't need to add anything more
1: all right. Hellas Verona, they went down by two goals to one against AC Milan. Tonali with the winning goal, 81st minute of that game. Lazio Udinese finished 0-0 into a 2-0 victory over Salernitana. Natana. I watched Atalanta Sassuolo. I thought it was a cracking game and Atalanta are flying high at the top of the table right now. It's going to be interesting. Watch Serie A. It is not going to slow down and we still have a title race going on. I think there's three or four teams who are going to be a, there or thereabouts at the end of the season and some unlikely names will be in the title race in Serie A for Scudetto. So look forward to watching that on Paramount Plus and our CBS Sports team. Let's get to the Bundesliga, Nigel. I know you've got a few questions for me before we get started. I do have to apologize to all Bayern Munich officials, fans, players out there for doubting you in any way possible. And I apologize to everybody who's following the show as well, because I did doubt that there was something wrong with Bayern Munich. But clearly, after a final victory over Freiburg at the top of the table, I am a bit of an idiot, Nigel.
2: I'm glad you said it, and I didn't have to say it. I just said to you that there's nothing wrong at Bayern Munich. But I'm glad you labelled yourself that for the insensitive comment to Bayern Munich. And it kind of, to a certain degree, to people watching, it reminds me a bit of the silly comment that the legendary Paul Merson made on Sky Sports about Harry Kane going to Bayern Munich. Why would he want to go there? Lewandowski yep. didn't even win the Champions League when he was with them. What did you say? I'm sorry. What, what did Two you just say? Two years he ago, you just said it the other day. Exactly. Lewandowski <laughs> did That's why he left. Uh, it just goes to show the silliness that's around the world of football sometimes. But that's Bayern it. mean Munich, we, like we told we you, we all what say
1: do? silly things, though, Nigel. We all say silly things, and let's I be honest, it. that that Champions League was played and empty, behind closed doors as well. So for more people, that Champions oh, League yeah, didn't actually on, happen.
2: <laughs> Jesus Christ! Come on, give them the credit they deserve. <laughs> Well, Bayern Munich going to have
1: four on. points behind Union Berlin. Bayern, 29 Bundesliga goals so far this season. It's almost three goals a game that are scoring Serge Ganabri, Chupomoting, Leroy Zani, who's been sensational for them on the score sheet, as was Sadio Mane, his fifth Bundesliga goal, ninth across all competitions, and Marcel Zabitzer to make it five goals to nil. I had a conversation with Freiburg's assistant coach before the game, actually yesterday. Quick conversation, former teammate of mine at Tempoli, I said, How are you going to approach this game? He said, we're going to go for it. What have we got to lose? I mean, if we go there and defend, we'll probably lose anyway, so we might as well go and Try it. So I have a little bit of love for the fact that Freiburg don't care who they're playing. They're going to try and play their own game. But today, it worked against them. Uh, Union Berlin got a 2-0 victory against uh, Borussia Dortmund. This was oh. a, a statement win, by the way, from Union Berlin. Haber on the score sheet, two goals from him. Union Berlin remained top of the league. They only had 23% possession of the ball, Nigel, and are unbeaten in the last 11 home games. They are incredible. But Borussia Dortmund, even in games like this, and I know you don't follow the Bundesliga as closely as I do. Not many people do. But they're still annoying the fact that they couldn't be more competitive in this game. I was frustrated with it.
2: No, I mean, they got the win. Um, if, if you look at it, it was it was pretty much mainly Union Berlin with the better chances. You know, they really restricted Dortmund to long-range efforts, edge yeah. of the box. I think the best chance they got was towards the end of the game. Um, Who was it that came on? Was it... um, Royce came on. Royce. Mark Royce. Mm-hmm. When he got pushed out wide by the goalkeeper, that's probably their best chance they really had in the box. So mm-hmm. for Union Berlin, they got the job done. And you'd have to say, it's a bit of a... Jose Mourinho-style type of management. It's not about possession. It's about getting the result. And they got the result. And it's a big, big result. And you could say that's a big confidence booster for them and a statement win to beat Borussia Dortmund
1: yeah SSB 28 also once again in the comment section the story of Union Berlin is inspiring it absolutely is I mean this is a club that is for the community it is a club for the people and if you go and have a look at some of the stories behind Union Berlin it's really sensational what they're doing for people around Berlin around the Bundesliga and the story right now seeing them at the top of the Bundesliga is sensational Um, played against them many times it's an unusual stadium because it's in the the forest a little bit you kind of have to you have to get out of your car and walk through the trees to get to the stadium Um, it's kind of cool however to see them top of the table is really inspiring Uh, best of the rest were in Bundesliga Frankfurt with a massive victory against Leverkusen five goals to one Nigel not started off great for Xabi Alonso he got that victory last weekend against Schalke got a bit carried away got pumped in the Champions League and now hammered and I mean hammered by Frankfurt five goals to one the other notable result was Leipzig getting a 3-2 victory over Hertha Berlin and that wraps up the Bundesliga Nigel Ryokoko before I let you go once again awesome stuff this weekend I'm glad you were on top of so many games Games this weekend. I love what you're watching. Yeah. Go ahead.
2: Hold on. Ian, before we go, we got, to, we, we got to forget, we got to tell the fans as well. Barcelona lost because of the curse of Drake, right? Who told Barcelona to stick Drake's logo on their shirt? Have they not heard of the curse of Drake? And allegedly Drake, who knows nothing about soccer, just likes to be a fan. No problem with that. Lost nearly half a million dollars on two bets. I believe. Yeah. That's what you get. The curse of Drake. Every what do you make of that, Nigel? With. What do you think of that? What do you think about Spotify right, doing this? I'll it, tell you what I order. think. i be honest about it. Barcelona will do anything for a bit of money. Let's ask how much money Spotify has paid to have that on the shirt because that's what it comes down to. That's a money thing. Barcelona right now doing anything for money. They did that for money and they got battered today by Real Madrid and Real Madrid won the Clasico. I don't know. It's a shame we can't show video on here, but let's just see the dance from Rudiger in the dressing room in the yeah. Real Madrid dressing room after they beat... Barcelona.
1: Yeah. Were they playing Drake? Were they dancing to Drake?
2: <laughs> I, they should have been dancing to Drake.
1: <laughs> I agree with you. I've got a great uh, show coming up tomorrow morning, 9 a.m. Eastern, with Fabrizio Romano. We're going to delve, dive, delve deep into what's happening at Barcelona. I'm intrigued to hear what Fabrizio has to say about Barcelona, so make sure you tune into that show at 9 o'clock Eastern tomorrow morning. Um, wherever you are around the world, jump in the conversation and if you've got a question for Fabrizio, I'm sure he'll answer it. But yeah, a little bit of an embarrassment for Barcelona, even though I thought they played well in the game, nowhere near good enough to compete with Real Madrid today and certainly lost that victory in large part thanks to Drake. So thanks very much for that. Uh, before we get out the door here, um, our producer Des wants to talk about some of the big misses. Who had the worst miss? miss? that you caught this weekend there is some nominees there's a Salah there's a Jota there's a Fred there's a Rashford there's a Lewandowski and there's a Banford me I'm gonna go first real quickly Lewandowski you don't see him miss those chances in big games and he did that was a massive miss for them that was their opportunity and he passed up on it and I also thought Rashford against Newcastle don't know if you got that one at the end of the game oh my word wow Wow. you don't think Fred was worse from the cutback oh yeah no I I do I do but Come on. End of the game. End of the game, though. You know, you get that one chance. Fred was worse.
2: Fred just had to get a solid connection onto that, into the bloody open goal. I think Lewandowski, (laughs) when you look at that again in in slow motion, it looks easy, but the ball is off the ground. It's not rolling. He tries to get a firm ankle on it, but the ball is just too much pace on it. And as much as he sticks his leg out, it can go anywhere. But Fred's, come on. Fred's miss was the worst. Fred miss was the worst. Rashford's got right, clinical, so I don't expect Rashford to score that. I, I'm a big Marcus Rashford fan, but he's never yep. been clinical like that. So I didn't expect it. I just have more, more admiration for the fantastic ball by Casemiro with the outside to be like, pink. Dink!
1: <laughs> like, Dink. <laughs> Nigel Ryokoki, you're the best, man. I appreciate you as always. Thank you so much for your comments, and thank you for uh, always being a part of this show and making it great. Thanks to everybody out there for watching in, and drop it in your comments. Like I said before, this show is being created for you. There's a lot happening behind the scenes. You'll find out very soon what's happening with our show, but I- I'm really appreciating the love that we're getting from a lot of regulars out there. Tell your friends, tell your family, let them jump into the comments with us here. We're happy to, to really take the piss out of everybody out there if they want to come on the show as well, and uh, we-, we take the piss out of each other. That's what we do. This is our show. We create it for you. It's also your show. So if you want to make fun of us, absolutely. No problem at all. But let us know your feelings about your club you know teams that you don't like players that you don't like stories but jump in the conversation that is exactly what we want we Want to hear from you and try to get some hot takes from Nigel Rio Coker Jonathan Johnson James Ben Michael Hood we've got so many characters who come on the show who try to help us grow this and we're doing a great job of it and it's thanks to everybody out there for tuning in we can't thank you enough so thank you once again for watching Kego Latso make sure you take a minute to leave us a rating and a review on your favorite podcast platform we're available on Apple podcast Spotify Stitcher and anywhere else you listen your podcast we're also available unfortunately to nigel rio coker on video yeah subscribe to us on youtube visit youtube.com forward slash keiko that's all hey everybody we'll see you next time tune in tomorrow fabrizio romano 9 a.m eastern live everybody we'll see you then